0: Well, good morning again. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Isaiah 40. As we said earlier, we're getting ready for Christmas. We have been studying the book of Genesis, kind of learning from this ancient document about uh, who we are, how we were designed, designed to be in relationship with God, to be in loving relationship with each other, with other people. For the last uh, three weeks, in Genesis four, 3 and 4 and 5, we've been uh, looking at what happened. What, what, what happened to us? What happened to frustrate and, and to distort this design? We've been talking about sin. How that sin has affected every area of our lives. It's affected our spiritual life. It's affected our sexuality. It's affected our work. It's affected our uh, bearing or rearing children. It's affected every area of our lives. And we looked at, uh, at, at how we uh, as people have responded to this reality, How have, have dealt with sin. How, how as societies we've, we, we've tried to insulate ourselves from God, to take care of our needs, to, to answer all the questions of life apart from Him, even keeping Him out of our thinking. Out of our 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 lives, we also saw how what our society does, what we do as as a as a a group of people, we do as individuals as well, leaving God out of the equations of our lives, not really spending time with Him in, in in gratitude, expressing our love to Him honestly, often not taking time to just be talking with Him honestly about what we're feeling, what's going on, what our needs are, the people around us. We, we so often leave Him out of our lives. And, and when He lovingly pursues us, when we begin to feel the, the disappointment in our lives, we often don't turn to Him. Let Him fill us up. Let Him love us up. Instead, we begin to cover and to... To, to excuse, to blame, to focus on our our self pity. And as a result, our lives just get more confused, more and more complex. We find ourselves more and more drained, and depleted. Well, that's where we've been in uh, Genesis, talking about sin and its impact on us. And at no time of year is that impact more obvious than at Christmas time, you know as we get ready to celebrate the coming of our Lord, the one who came in poverty in a stable, our society plunges us into a glut of commercialism that nearly drowns any thought of, of, of the true God, and even when there 's a, a maybe a movie or a television show on the true meaning of christmas what it, what it turns out to be is kind of calling us to have faith in faith alone, or faith in Santa Claus, or in the the, the human potential for for kindness, or something like that. Not in the true God, the one who came because He loved us, because He saw our need on an uh, an individual level, in people's lives, the, the, the emptiness, the hopelessness, Becomes almost unbearable at Christmas time. suicide rates soar in fact, uh, sadly, there 's one of our sisters in this body went home to her, her, her parents house uh, this last week to her father 's funeral. He killed himself last week. You know, the despair in the face of all the calls for joy and rejoicing becomes unbearable. The woundedness, the problems in our families confront us. I mean, it's in our faces. We think about spending Christmas with our, with our family. We are confronted with all of the hurt, all of the confusion that's there. And we uh, ourselves, uh, we who call ourselves by the name of the one who came at Christmas time, we find in our own lives that we are hurting. We feel the pressure, the busyness, of uh, the craziness. We often are hurting, confused, sometimes overwhelmed. The strain is horrible. That's what sets us up for the message of Christmas. That's what sets us up for what Isaiah is going to talk about. We saw in Genesis that we can't just look out there, point the finger, and say, Oh, this, is, this mess is, is society's fault. This mess is everyone else's fault. We have to see ourselves our own need, our own sin. We have to face our part and recognize that, uh, that the mess is our fault. And that's exactly where the people of Isaiah's day were. Isaiah was speaking to, to Judah, who at the time was in a terrible mess. And it was a mess of their own making. It was, it was a result of their own sin, their own choices, their own society, and the people who had come before them. So God speaks to that situation, speaks into that mess. And I want you to listen to what he has to say. Listen to his attitude. It isn't one of anger or contempt. Listen to what he says. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. See, God doesn't want to grind it in. He wants to give relief. He wants to give comfort. He wants to speak tenderly. That word uh, tenderly means uh, close to the heart. He wants to speak from his heart. He wants to to, to speak his feelings. And it's a heart of compassion. It's a heart that that is broken for us and the people around us. It's a heart that is, is gentle. When God looks at our society, he doesn't, do it, he doesn't look at it with hatred or disdain. His heart breaks. He longs for everyone to, to receive His Christmas gift, the gift of His Son, Jesus. And when He looks at your life and sees the pressure, sees the, the busyness and the craziness, the hurt and the longing, again, He's not looking at you with anger and disdain. He's looking at you with compassion, with pity, with the desire to bring comfort. He longs to comfort. That's our God's heart. And really, that is the the, the true message of Christmas. God looked at this world and he saw the misery of human beings, the fruit of our sin, our our resistance to him, and our inability to to live life and and to love each other apart from, from him, and it broke his heart. So he sent his son, the comfort of mankind. In Luke 2, there's a very brief story about Simeon. We're going to look at that a little bit more next week. But we're told there that that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now that word consolation is the same, uh, it's, it's the Greek form of the same word in the Hebrew for comfort. He was looking forward to the the comfort of Israel. we're told that when Jesus was brought to the temple, Simeon took him in his hands and he held him. And he said, basically, God, I can die happy now. I have seen your comfort. I've seen the answer, the the promise that you promised. You see, Jesus is the comfort of mankind. He is the consolation of Israel. He is the expression of God's heart to comfort, and to tenderly speak to us. The aching of society, the the turbulence, its confusion, is really ultimately, at the deepest level, an ache, a longing for Him, for this comfort. The the trouble in our own hearts is really a desire for Him, for Jesus, for for His comfort, For he who is comfort. You see, really, what Isaiah is talking about, we discover, is Jesus. In fact, the the next verses are, are quoted in all of the Gospels about Jesus' coming. Listen to Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you've traveled up uh, Highway 55 at all over the last year, you saw a lot of this stuff going on, cutting into the hills and and filling in the low places and straightening out the, the curves to try to make that highway straighter, smoother, easier. You see, in Isaiah's day, when a king would visit one of the cities of his realm, the people would go out from that city in the direction the king was going to come. The soldiers and servants and just ordinary people would go out and they'd start filling in the potholes. They'd start filling in the ruts and the places where the, where the creeks had washed part of the road away. And they'd kind of take off the top of the, the, the valleys to try to make that road smooth and straight and, and prepare the way for the king. Now, this also Help make travel through the whole country easier, but what was in their heart was was that excitement about his coming, that, that he was coming. They were looking forward to. It. This is how they prepared. Well, the Bible uses that picture metaphorically to talk about how we really prepare for the coming of the true King, the coming of Jesus, and it, 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 uh, God tells us. Through uh, through John the Baptist. In fact, what we're told in Matthew 3, first three verses, is that these verses really are about John the Baptist. Listen to Matthew 3, 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, See, Matthew tells us that God, through Isaiah, was talking about John the Baptist here. And he also tells us that the way we really prepare is through repentance. That wasn't mean to repent. Well the term itself just simply means to change directions. You walk in one way, you turn around, you go the other way. It means to change your way of thinking. Now, one of the stories that Gloria shared is a great illustration of this. A little girl came into Cole Christian School, kind of the new girl, felt real different than the other kids, didn't feel terribly accepted. She was afraid. She was uh, looking around at everybody else. And and, and the the, the distorted thinking that we all do from time to time. She began to act out. She began to do things that, that, that kind of justified her not being accepted. She began to steal little things from other kids or from the teacher. In some ways, I'm sure she felt justified in doing this because of the way she felt like she was being treated. And perhaps she was trying to protect her her heart, making a reason for her to be rejected so she wouldn't have to feel rejected for who she was. But you know, sin never works. It doesn't comfort us. It doesn't really Protect us, and she was more and more miserable, and the rest of the kids were upset. they thought uh, somebody was coming in at night and, and, and stealing things. things were starting to be missing. Eventually, this little girl confessed what she had done. she repented she, she, she told the teacher what she had done. she stopped listening herself, to, to her, her justification of what she had done. She stopped blaming everybody else for what she was feeling and she courageously faced herself. That is repentance. Like Gloria said, this little girl had, had not met the Lord before and so in response to that repentance the teacher shared, uh, the gospel shared Jesus with her and she accepted Jesus. And when uh, with, the, with her permission the teacher told the, the rest of the class, the kids just plotted. several of them got up went up and gave her hugs, welcomed her into the kingdom. You see, this little girl had her heart prepared for the coming of the Lord in her own life. Now, there may be some of you out here this morning who've never accepted the Lord into your life. And this is exactly what you need. You may need to change your thinking about your life, about what's going on in your life. To, you may need to stop justifying your behaviors. Stop blaming everyone else for what's going on. Stop. Repent. Receive. You have the opportunity this morning to receive your Christmas present early. Present from God. Jesus himself. His comfort. His peace. This morning's a, a A perfect time. There's no better time. It is time. In fact, what I would like to do just briefly, if it's all right, is is just take a second pray with any of you who may be working through this, thinking through this. So so if if all of us, just bow your head just for a second. Let me pray. Lord, right now, convict that one whom your Spirit is, is talking to. Turn their thinking, their their hearts to you. Open their hearts to Jesus, to his life, to his comfort, his peace. Lord, we pray this in his name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now for the rest of us who know the Lord, you may need to repent as well. You may need to change your thinking about what's going on in your life, about why your life is so frantic. It's not because life is hectic. Life has always been hectic. Uh, Every generation has felt that way. You need to stop and realize that it may very well be that that you're just out trying to take care of your own needs by yourself, without God involved in in the details of your life. Trying to take care of yourself, even avoiding, just slowing down, spending time with Him. You may need to face that your resentment of of your parents isn't because they're so demanding and and unreasonable, but that what's going on inside of you is your resistance to God. You may need to face that your fearful pressuring of your husband or your children isn't because of what they're doing, it's in you. Or your resentment, uh, 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 your your bad attitude toward your wife isn't her. It's your heart. See, Prepare the way for the Lord in your heart. Change your thinking. Face your own sinfulness and need. See, what Isaiah is doing in in these verses is he is showing us the two things that that get in the way of us receiving the comfort of, of the Lord. The first is our, our response, our, our attitude toward our sin, how how we try to cover it and excuse it and blame it. And that just leaves us with that sin still there, the misery of it, closed off to the comfort, because we're clinging to our sin. But the other impediment to really embracing, enjoying the comfort of the Lord, is that we tend to put our hope in the wrong place. We put our hope in people whether ourselves and and our own efforts or others around us. And that's why the same voice that cried out to to prepare the way for the Lord also cries out in verse 6. The voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word Of our God stands forever. See, the point is just that that just as people aren't the problem, ultimately we each have to face ourselves and our own part. Well, in the same way, people aren't the solution. People, whether again it's ourselves and our own effort or or others, are not the solution. The solution isn't to just try harder. God has given you free will and fortitude, and those are valuable, but they alone sufficient. You can never find security. You can never find peace on your own efforts. In the same way, you can't uh, put your hope, look for salvation in, in people. The people around you aren't adequate. God has, has put us in family. He's given us families, and they're valuable. But our families disappoint us. They hurt us. He's given us the, the church to build us up, to strengthen us, to be there for us. But the church disappoints us. People, as important as they are, and they're very important in the way God designed us, but as important as they are, they are not the answer. fact is, a lot of our pain in this life is our acute disappointment in people. In our parents in our siblings in our our spouses, our children, in our pastor and the elders, in our friends, so again, people as important as they are aren 't our hope aren 't our answer. Our only hope is the coming of the Lord that He has come, and we can put our hope in his love and in his word that 's the point of these verses people. Our grass, you know, the, the, the picture of grass, is something that that, that that is is temporary, something that's weak, kind of flops in the wind. People will disappoint us if you put your trust completely, ultimately, in them. If you put your hope in them, you will be disappointed and resentful. Now, see the the good news, the the, the, the answer is the fact that Jesus has come, that the Lord has come and we can put our hope put our trust in Him respond to Him be in relationship with Him in verse 9 the next verse Isaiah tells us to shout it from the mountaintop to not be afraid to tell people this you know we, we are almost embarrassed in our society to just simply say He's the answer He's the one your heart aches for it's as simple as that we're to proclaim it gently but without shame he says, here is your God, this Jesus born in Bethlehem. Here is your God. The sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. You see, he is the one who has the power to do all this, the, 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 the power to comfort us, and, and, and to, to, to bring peace and, and deliverance, freedom from sin for those around us who are in confusion, who are hurting? And that's the, the message, the simple message we have to offer people at Christmas time, at any time. And notice again, his tenderness, how He longs to be this for us. He says, uh, the Lord is our shepherd and as a shepherd He gathers the lambs in His arms and He carries them close to His heart. Again, that's our Lord's attitude. Now the next verse is verses 12 through 26. We don't have time to go verse by verse. It would be fun. But basically these verses uh, are a series of rhetorical questions that, that are intended to make it absolutely clear that only the Lord is the has the power, has the intelligence, has the, the goodness to do all this. So I want to skip over these and get to the conclusion that starts in verse 27. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. See, these people in Isaiah's day had just been promised... Uh, the coming of, of the one who would be their comfort, the one who could, could could deal with their sin, the one they could count on. This is the promise of Christmas, the coming of Jesus, the one who is the comfort, the one we can count on. But still, it was hard for these people to believe it. Even if, if they faced their own sin and need, Even if they recognized that that other people weren't the answer, that that the people would disappoint them, still in the midst of, of their pain and confusion, it was hard to believe. It still felt in real life like God wasn't paying attention, that God didn't really care. Well, as we prepare for Christmas, which is the celebration of His coming, that we look back on it. These guys look forward to it. We look back on it and say, He has come. And yet even if we respond to the things that God tells us here through Isaiah, at times it is hard to believe. As we deal with our own busyness, our own frustrations, our own hurts and confusion, it is hard to believe. That's where faith comes in. That's where we're putting God to the test, holding on to what He has said, holding on to His Word that stands forever. And what does he said? Look at verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. As we come into this Christmas season, which is intended to be a celebration of the coming of our Lord, the one who is the answer to all of the problems of Genesis, the answer to all of our problems, the answer to our need, so often... We come tired, hurting, discouraged. But God is God. And He promises that if we wait on the Lord, that's what uh, there in verse 31 He says, Hope in the Lord. It's literally, if we wait on the Lord, He will give us strength, He will give us more energy than a teenager. Some of you who have teenagers are kind of saying, "Ah, I don't know about that. He'll give us more endurance than the energizer bunny who keeps going and going and going. We will mount up on wings of eagles. Last week in staff meeting, I asked if any of them were soaring like an eagle. A couple of them said they were kind of sore, but uh, they weren't too sure about soaring. One of them said, well, no, I soar more like a chicken. (laughs) <laughs> that was a, a perfect picture of this flapping like crazy, just trying to get off the ground to, to no effect and just kind of skimming the earth and running into the fence. I and mean, that's most of our experience. But is that the reality of our Lord's promise here? What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Well, well the term wait literally means to, to lean on Him, to cling to Him. To look expectantly for what he will do. I like that term. To look expectantly. To, to, to lock your eyes on him and see what he's going to do. I get the picture of a well-trained dog sitting there next to his food, waiting for his master to give him the word to go. And he's just shaking with anticipation, waiting to hear that word. Locked Eyes locked on him. See, that's what it means to wait on the Lord. H.C. Leopold defines it as to lean heavily on the Lord and bide your time until He comes through. See, it doesn't mean we don't get tired. We get tired. We get depleted. We get discouraged. But it means that at those times that we get tired, we stop, we turn to Him. Look to Him for the strength to do what He's calling us to do. Look to Him for the strength to continue loving those around us, doing the right thing. And as we look to Him, not looking to our own resources, He supplies miraculously. He renews our strength. He refills it. Again, this is not a promise that we won't get tired or that life won't be filled with with difficulty and hurt and heartache or that, that somehow we will, we will float above it and be unaffected by it. We are not unaffected by it. It affects us deeply. We do get tired. We do get discouraged. We do hurt. As we seek to follow the Lord, as we seek to love those around us, to share the, the truth, the good news with, with the people He's placed around us in the world, to love those He's placed right in front of us patiently, kindly, generously, we get worn out. Often it's when we're worn out that we begin to pull back. We begin to cover up. We begin to, 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 to lose sight of our own sin. We begin to resent those around us because they're not what we want them to be. They, 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 they don't meet our need like we desperately want them to. And again, that's the time to stop to turn in faith, to put our hope in Him and wait for Him to come through with the strength to keep loving, to keep doing the right thing. We face ourselves, lay ourselves empty and weak before Him. And we get amazed with the strength that He provides. He comes through. A while back I was talking to a young man who had just become a Christian. He was really struggling. God had, was convicting him in his heart. The Holy Spirit was really moving him to, to talk to the woman he had been living with, to tell her about his, uh, his new relationship with the Lord and talk over his relationship with her. But he was dreading this. He was scared. Uh, they had been involved together very heavily in the New Age. They would looked down. On Christians, And now he found himself one. And he was afraid of how she would respond. The more he thought about talking to her, the tired or the more discouraged he got. He could just feel the strength draining out of him. But he was convinced that this is what his Lord was telling him to do. So he determined to do it. Strength or no strength. Just clinging to the Lord. We set up a time the next day to get together and talk about how it went. I wanted to hear from him about uh, how... How it went when we got together the next day, he was floating on air. He was so excited he couldn't sit still. He he had sat down to talk with her and he'd kind of awkwardly stumbling around trying to open the conversation. Before he got very far, she had interrupted and she said, "You know, I've been thinking about our relationship. We need a little space. We need to stop living together." He kind of laughed to himself and said, "Okay, I guess I agree." And then he went on. to to tell her what had happened in his life, to share the Lord with her. She didn't laugh. She didn't mock him at all. She listened intently. She didn't give her own life to Jesus just then. She did actually a couple months later. But the energy and the joy this young man felt as he did what he knew his Lord was calling him to do, the strength he He received in the midst of his obedience, he was flying. He was so excited, he couldn't stop talking. He was soaring. A while back I was up at Bogus Basin, just on the other side of Schaefer Butte, and I saw a golden eagle just floating. It was going in circles, moving higher and higher. He wasn't flapping his wings at all. You know, Eagles sometimes flap. A flapping eagle is different than a soaring eagle. Uh, They flap to to, to generate their own strength. But if you've ever seen an eagle soar, just riding those thermals, the the, the invisible uh, drafts of air that lift them up, God's strength is invisible, but it's just as real. And under our wings, it lifts us up. As we prepare for the celebration of the coming of our lord. Let's remove every obstacle. Let's prepare the way for the lord. And let's put our confidence in him and him alone, recognizing that he is what we really ache for. Let's step out in faith when we get tired, discouraged, when we feel depleted, worn out. Let's look to him. Take that that, that, that step of faith with no strength in ourselves and see Him come through with the power to love, the power to do the right thing, the power to do what He's calling us to do. And as we do, we will soar like on the wings of eagles. Christmas is a celebration of the coming of our Lord. His life, his comfort, his peace. And let's walk into this Christmas season aware of that joy, of that freedom, of that gift that he has brought us, waiting on the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we do get tired. We uh, do feel like dropping sometimes as we think through all the hurt and the pain in our families. In our hearts, as we uh, face the busyness, sometimes it feels crazy, all the things to get done and there's no time to do it. And and we begin to feel frantic. And I pray that by your Spirit, you'd stop us. You'd remind us that you have so much to give. That you'd open our hearts to that. That we would turn to you. That we'd put our, our hope that we would wait on you, and that we would experience the joy, the overwhelming delight of seeing you come through in our own lives. Lord, I I pray for each of us as we enter this Christmas season that we would have uh, the good news to tell to those around us that you have come, that you've brought healing in your wings, that you love us, you hold us close to your heart, you are our comfort. Lord, uh, use us to speak that message to our society. Speak that message first, Lord, to our heart. I pray this in your name. Amen.